Hi, I'm James, and this is James Explores the New Mutants, an issue-by-issue exploration of Marvel's comic book series, The New Mutants. Welcome to episode 56, entitled Back to the Future, in which I'll be examining issue number 48. Stay tuned. Welcome back. So let's quickly review the creative team. Chris Claremont's writing, we have Jackson Geis on pencils, a new inker of this issue, uh, Philip Craig Russell. And a little bit about Philip Craig Russell. I mean, he's a comp- an accomplished comic book artist, writer, and illustrator. So he's, you know, a, a, a very accomplished. He's, very, he's got a number of awards to his name, um, and he created the highly acclaimed series Night Music, which... Uh, is adaptations of literary and operatic works. It's an anthology series that was created by Eclipse Comics. He's won a number of, of Elsner Award awards and Kirby Awards. Um, so he's 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 a decently a decent a pretty recognizable name in comics. Um, this is pretty early in his career. Uh, and again, he's the inker on this book. Um, I debated on going back and forth on mentioning this because um, people are more than their sexualities, but I think it's it's something that's uh, that's worth bringing up because I think it took a lot. I, you know, I think it's something that that takes bravery um, uh, for a person to do this and. and I'm just gonna. I'm dancing around it. Um, he he's the first comic book creator to come out as openly gay. So, like, I think that's you know a big deal, and uh, not in so much that that's defining him as a person, because I, I think, like I said, your people are more than their their sexuality. Uh, but I, I do think that to work in an industry uh, that. Especially, I, I'm guessing it would have been early eighty, late 80s, early 90s that he would have come out openly. Um, that is dominant, especially in the 90s uh, and, and the, even in the late 80s, that was dominated by um, this this idealized image of human anatomy, especially the female form and, and these poster women and these women posing in super um, sexualized ways, like heavily ma- ma- male dominated and male influenced um industry especially at least by the big two um and and certainly by image even as as that becomes a thing um <clears throat> very much a a a masculine and and even if they're artists certainly driven by the interest in in the female form um there's probably better ways to express what i'm trying to say but i i just think it's te- you know an, an interesting piece of information and uh something worth noting so uh yeah that's that's craig russell he's doing the inks on this book uh we have orzakowski and bohulas uh his partner doing um the the lettering for this issue, Glynis Oliver on colors, Jim Shooter's our editor in chief, and Ann Senti is of course the line editor of the book. <clears throat> That's the creative team. Really hasn't changed too much, although we do have an inker change. And I do, you know, I'm going to argue that I, it's noticeable within the 
the pages. Um, you can you can see uh, it's not the last issue's pairing. So for people that don't think inkers matter, they definitely do. And just compare a couple books where you have an artist that you're impressed with, a penciler you're impressed with, with an inker that you're impressed, you know, you, you liked art in that book, compare it to one where you have the same penciler but a different inker. And you'll see a difference. You will see a difference. I promise you. Um, <clears throat> the way the ink's laid down, the thickness of the lines, all of that plays a part in how the images are interpreted. And I, I'm not saying that it doesn't do the issue well. I think it actually does the issue well, especially in some of these more um, um, apocalyptic scenes where, where there's just desolation and destruction all over. I think... Uh, the two pair well together. Um, honestly, I don't know that I'd want to see them working on an issue that was heavily um, heavily character building uh, or, or more focused on character building or emotional expression. Um, I don't find these faces in, particularly, in particular very um, expressive. And uh, whether that's the pairing or the pencils, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, but there is there, there's a difference. Uh, not not that it's bad, and maybe maybe if these were uh, pictures depicting different things than they're depicting, maybe I would have a different opinion. So that's possible too. Um, like I said, he's he's no slouch. He is an accomplished accomplished comic book creator so um it may not even it may be that you know maybe it's early work it could be too that uh the combination of the two maybe he he and uh guys just don't pair well together that's always a possibility i would suppose um or you know it could too be that they're trying to express something um about the the time and place rather than trying to express something that is driven from within the characters themselves um that's always a possibility too so um and they haven't been asked in this issue in my opinion to to express too much emotion through facial expression so maybe that would affect um what we're getting here on the panel as well uh so yeah that's that's our creative team pretty much you know pretty solid pretty stable still uh and still you know still churning out really decent work um if you ask me so this issue it really opens with uh, a splash page and on this splash page we have four of the new mutants and they're looking at this giant poster on this wall uh <clears throat> this splash page is an homage to x-men 141 which is uh, days of future past. So we have um, some of the X-Men, and it, they have across their faces the word terminated. Um, and, and those X-Men, we have Storm, Wolf, uh, Wolverine, Colossus, uh, Sunspot, Ariel, Wolfsbane, and Kamara. There are two faces that are not uh, crossed by the word terminated and that's cannonball and mirage so as i said 
It's this a nice homage. Now, this is not Days of Future Past timeline. That is important to know and realize. This is an alternate timeline, definitely a different timeline. Um, it is a dystopic future, and as we're going to come to find out, it is ruled by Sentinels. So, what is going on? Well, Ileana, if you remember in the last issue... Uh, was attempting to teleport herself and her teammates back to Earth so they could face Mingus, uh, Warlock's father, who'd come to kill his son. And and if we remember, they were in the past. They were helping Robert the Bruce. Now, this was accidental. They were fleeing Mingus, and they teleported into the past. And were helping Robert the Bruce of Scotland uh, against uh, some English... Uh, knights and saved his life and he was talking to them about what he you know he must do even though the odds are long it's the right thing to do even though it's scary um helped talk them up and get them uh headed in the right direction and so that was that that amongst some other things helped them to determine hey it's time to go home well apparently while they were teleporting back to their proper timeline proper place and time uh um, they were split up. So what we have here are four of the teammates, four of the new mutants in this timeline. The others have been scattered elsewhere in space and time. Um, and we will deal with the other half of this team in the next issue. So for this issue, the four team members that we have are Sunspot, Roberto da Costa, <clears throat> Amara, Aquila, Magma, uh, Shane Coyman, Karma, and Rain Sinclair, Wolfsbane. And they're kind of, you know, trying to figure out what's going on. Like, they can't, they've kind of searched the area. They don't see anyone or anything. Uh, Wolfsbane, she's not picking up the scent of any mutants or humans, any of their friends. Um, and they found this massive poster, and, and they're curious about it. Like, these faces have been crossed out. Um, it looks like, um, and they're just kind of piecing this together, right? Like, Amara realizes that terminated means that these mutants have been killed. They realize it's most of the X-Men, and some of the people are them themselves, that Roberto notices. Now, <clears throat> Uh, Karma, she notices the landscape. She notices that the building's rubble and this area, this is home. This is the Xavier School of the Gifted. Um, Magic had been trying to teleport him home and she had succeeded in that. Um, but they know that they're not in, like, because they know that they're that this isn't their present because or where they came from, because the pictures are of adult versions of themselves. Like, so they know they're out of time, out of place in time, but they are back in New York. They're back at the school. And so as they're trying to collect their thoughts, um, they're, they're, they're being watched. Um, You know, they marvel at the damage and the horror of the situation. They marvel at how horrible everything is. Um, you know, 
that this is like scorched earth, you know, Rain's concerned and disheartened, and Roberto tells her that this happened a long time ago. Um, but they're just really trying to come to grips with this. You know, they haven't even begun to talk about how they get back to their proper time, but they're still taking in this scene, right? Like, it's pretty traumatic. Um, and as I said, somebody's been watching them. Now, th- this is a group of Sentinels, at least three of them, that we see on this next panel. And, you know, they recognize the mutants. They realize, too, that these mutants have been terminated. These these mutants on, are on file as being dead. And they think that, they're, that there's either a mistake in the files or that obvious, they're obviously not dead, so they're going to take care of this problem. Now, obviously, I, I'm guessing the Sentinels flew in, and maybe they could do that very quietly, but, like... The new mutants are shocked and turn and find these sentinels behind them, a few feet from them. Um, it's just kind of odd because I can't imagine them being that quiet. And this one sentinel's taking steps. It's been walking towards them, and they turn and face it, and they're startled. Uh, it's interesting. There's some neat things, like we get the vision from the sentinels. Um, it looks like uh, heat signatures. It's really neat. I like the paneling there, but uh, yeah, it's uh, it is a little weird um, that they sneak up on them. Anyways, uh, they're obviously shocked, um, and most of them, Rain, Roberto, and Kamara, for sure know what Sentinels are, and they react. Um, um, Mara, she's shocked, and, um, right, she, she's not sure, you know, she's surprised to find these Sentinels want to kill them, kill, uh, kill, kill the mutants. Um, remember, she hasn't really dealt with Sentinels before, whereas the mutants had in issue number two, um, and it doesn't take long for this to heat up. We've got another panel that resembles uh, X-Men cover where the Sentinel's blasting Wolverine. Um, and it's an homage homage to that. Um, you know, blasting him uh, with his hand blast. Um, and, it, you know, we got this here where Rain has turned to her human wolf form and is knocking... Com- karma out of the way well things look really bad and all of a sudden cannonball shows up now this isn't cannonball from the new mutants present right this isn't the one we're familiar with this is one from this future right timeline and he starts doing battle with the sentinels and another member of the uh mutant uh new mutants team shows up uh and that's danny uh uh, Mirage, right? And she, she is also not from the present team. She's a member from this current future timeline. And they take out all the Sentinels. <clears throat> Between uh, Danny and Sam, who take out a couple, Amara and Roberto take out two more, and that takes care of the threat. Well, are the adult versions of Danny and Sam... They're not going to hesitate. They're not going to linger. They grab up their uh, these young new mutants and they flee 
they just take off, uh, not providing really any answers as to any what's going on here at all, um, even though the new mutants would like that. Uh, they just don't want to risk being caught out here by more sentinels um, because with this having happened, there's, there's a certainty that, the, that more sentinels will be showing up. So, meanwhile, back at Xavier's Institute, Institute in the present, so on 616 timeline, um, we have uh, Magneto and these little robotic things flying around him. They're called widgets, and these things uh, Magneto developed to help him care for and maintain the mansion, Um, and he's trying to clean things up. He still believes the new mutants are coming back, and he wants to tidy the things up and take care of things um, while they're gone and have a nice place for them to come back to. It's his way of, well, one, staying busy, because he's helpless at this point, to do anything about what's happened to the new mutants, right? Um, So he's definitely helpless in this moment, and so he spends his time um, really focused on either caring for others or taking care of things um, in the in the physical space, right? And so that's what he's doing. He's in Danny's room. He's picking it up, and he and he's thinking to himself or talking to himself about how Danny she used to live in the wild. Um, she's not accustomed to living around people, and he compares himself in the same way to her. He he's not used to dealing with people either. Um, and this is all interrupted by a commotion in the hall. Um, first, these these little widgets start squawking about uh, intruder alerts, and there's a big crash, and, and Magneto sticks his head out into the hallway, and Stevie Hunter's um, pretty much in, entangled with these um, with these widgets. And, and Magneto apologizes, and Stevie gives this rundown that could be taken a number of different ways. She's talking about how who she is, right? She's she's telling the reader. So if you're a first-time reader, you pick this issue up, you're going to know who Stevie Hunter is and why she's at the school, right? Now, this can also be read. So, right, we're fill, being filled in to who she is. And if we read it a certain way, we can read it as though, like, this is her first time back at the school. Obviously, she's been there since Magneto's taken over, so she shouldn't be surprised to find him there, and she shouldn't have to tell Magneto that, hey, I'm I'm faculty here, and, like, doesn't matter, you know, that you're running the school, I still have a right to be in, in the house, right? Like, that's what she's telling him. So if you read, like, that's great, because if you're a new reader, so if I was a new reader reading this for the first time, I'd learn a ton about Stevie Hunter. I'd know who she was and why she was there, and she wouldn't seem out of place. Now, as a long-time reader, somebody who's read the comic from the beginning, you know, from issue number one, who's read some of the X-Men stuff, is familiar with Stevie Hunter. This reads a little weird. It's like, oh, she's trying to, like, they're surprised to bump into each other in the school, that shouldn't be because they've worked together for a couple, you know, ever since uh, Magneto has taken over the school, right? She'd never stopped being faculty. She's actually been around, been around Magneto and talked about stuff with the New Mutants in relationship to Magneto. So she's she's familiar with Magneto, knows that he's the headmaster. He knows that she's the uh, teacher at the school. So in that sense, it does read a little weird. 
But if we look at it as though, hey, why are these things attacking me? You know I'm faculty. These are all the reasons I have a right to be here. You should, this should never have happened. It can be read like she's just mad for having been accosted by these stupid widget things. Well, Magneto, like I said, apologizes, and he explains why he has these stupid widgets, that they're here to help him maintain the mansion. And not only just that, but also provide security, because he can't be everywhere at once. And they talk about where the new mutants are, and Magneto expresses his hope and his belief that they'll be coming back. Well, she tells him that, you know, with their disappearance, with them being gone, his his oath or promise to Xavier, it's been paid. His debt's done. He doesn't have to stay. And he explains to her that it's not, he, it, initially that may have been why he took the school, was, was this, he felt honor bound and to, to, to fulfill this, this request that Xavier had placed upon him. But at this point, he really has come to believe in the school and to want the best for these new for the new mutants. He cares about the students, and so he's going to stay on. And he really does believe that they'll be coming back, and he wants the school to be here for them. So the new mutants run off with Sam and Danny, and they're safe uh, and hidden because they're holed up in uh, Larry Trask and Stephen Lang's old Sentinel base, um, which is in the Adirondack Mountains, and will later, interestingly enough, be commandeered by X-Force in that series, early in the series, as X-Force's base of operation. So we've got that neat little tie back, or tie into later issues written by Larry uh, Niseza, uh and yeah, just kind of neat. Um, the other thing I want to mention really quick is um, we have this first panel here on this page, uh, page nine, um, and it's we've got a whole bunch of sentinels and they're busily uh, trying to find these uh, mutants, right? They're using scanning technology and all this stuff and they're in this big um, like headquarters style um, base, right? And I didn't know, you know, normally I don't think anything of this, but all of a sudden I'm like, wait, these Sentinels are massive. These things are giant. Um, and everything in this base is built to their scale. Like none of it would be, uh, is built to be operated by humans. It's been built to be operated by the Sentinels. So a couple things are possible here. Either humanity built this equipment for the Sentinels to use and built it to the scale, which is kind of odd, or later on the Sentinels constructed it to be used um, by themselves. It's still kind of weird to think about this giant, like, like if if this group of mutants were to attack that base, <laughs> it's just like they'd be little fleas running around on the floor. Um, it's just kind of interesting, and I had never really thought about it until... I just was looking at this panel today. Uh, not really much there. But anyways, let's get back to the story. So, as I said, new mutants are safe with uh, Danny and the the adult versions of Danny and Sam. And this base is in really rough shape. And Sam tells them, you know, it used to be in much better shape. It used to be more comfortable when there was more of us. Things have been going really bad, though. Um... 
and he kind of explained, you know, Bobby's talking about what happened to them and how they had been fleeing Magus and every future. It just seems like everywhere they go, it's like everything's hopeless. And Sam remembers, he remembers everything that Bobby's talking about, how they fled Magus, Mangus, how they uh, had ended up in Scotland and helped Robert the Bruce and how Bobby didn't want to come back. And Sam finishes the story for him. And Bobby's surprised by that. And Sam just is like, how do you think Danny and I knew to come to your help? We knew about the ambush because we lived this time. We we were alive when this happened, right? And so they knew to do this because they experienced what the other new members have had experienced. And see... Um, Bobby asks Sam what happened, and Sam tells him, you know, that uh, in the future, uh, things fell apart. Um, Humanity really began to distrust mutants, and that relationship deteriorated further and further and further, and eventually humanity started to blame everything that was happening on mutants. So war, famine, poverty, uh, natural disasters, it was all the fault of mutants. It was a plague brought on by God. They were, um, they were the evidence that God disliked humanity. And uh, the government eventually had super teams try to bring them in. And eventually, you know, to help these super teams um, put down mutants and uh, bring them under control, they created the Sentinel program. They restarted that program. Well, the Sentinels did the job. They they captured mutants, put them in prison or in internment camps, um, and eventually they started targeting the superheroes, the non-mutant superheroes, uh, Avengers, Fantastic Four, all those teams, and killed them off. And they didn't take prisoners. They pretty much wiped everyone out. Um, so there's only a handful of mutants left and, uh, we also have this interesting aside, uh, with Danny and Rain and Rain goes to Danny, obviously Rain Sinclair and Danny are super close. Uh, they share the psychic rapport and they've always been really tight. Their, their bond has always been really tight and Rain wants to talk to Danny and Danny just doesn't want anything to do with her and Rain's you know, tells her she they're still friends, and Danny wheels on her, and she just starts yelling at her, and she talks to her about how she had held Rain in her arms when she died. She had blood. She felt her last feelings, her last thoughts, and she fought death as hard as she's ever fought, and still couldn't stop death from taking Rain. And Rain runs off, um, really upset by this, and and Danny just won't. It, won't experience that again. She's not going to let herself feel that again, go through that again. And they, Sam tells them the rest of the story, you know, that, that through all this really difficult, hard lessons, they've been taking, you know, in an effort to, to, to survive mutants have, they've been having Lila Cheney take mutants to her Dyson sphere and that's where everyone's going. And they're, they're getting ready to go there themselves. Well, it turns out that the Sentinels, they're going to eventually contact 
actually it's they when they talk to anyone on the on planet it they use the video net and um it allows them to basically what looks like a a holographic image they they present a holographic image and then they can address all of humanity all around the world and so they 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 inform the world that they've captured Lila Cheney and that uh, they're going to eventually terminate her. Well, Sam figures that this was, is, is a trap. Because if they, if they, normal, under normal certain, they know Lila's importance, and they know that she's going to be a way to draw uh, the mutants out. Because they're going to, they'll do anything to save her because she's a teleporter. She's the way they get to and from the Dyson Sphere. Any hope of further survival off-planet on another world or at the Dyson Sphere will be, you know, is due to Lila Cheney. And Sam knows they have to go rescue her. And, and he knows it's a trap because under normal circumstances, they don't bother to announce the capture of mutants. They just execute them. So he's getting ready to go rescue her. One, because he loves her, and two, because she's super important to their cause. And Roberto's super overjoyed that Sam's going to stand up for this because he was really disgusted by the fact that they'd just given up and they were going to flee. They were just going to run from these sentinels. Um, and so the new mutants are going to join the rescue effort, the effort to rescue Lila Cheney. You know, quick aside here, um, I read... Uh, Another review uh, of, of this issue uh, by uh, League of Extraordinary uh, of League of Gentlemen, right? Um, and their their review they're pretty hard on this. It's not terribly hard on it. I mean, it's a decent story, but it does lack some of the desperation that like Days of Futures Past had. Um, and and the whole idea that Roberto like, oftentimes for me when Roberto reacts to something, it's an overreaction. I don't usually agree with his character, uh, character's depiction reaction to certain situations. Here I don't agree either. Like I don't want I don't care about enough about these characters. Not that I don't you know, <laughs> it's hard to explain. Um, this is a side story, right? This is a side show. And it does allow some characters room to grow. And we get to see some neat, neat stuff happen. But there's never a real threat um, to the characters that I know and care about that they're going to die in this issue. You know, I, I know that we're building towards something and that this is just a stopover. Um, and And there's no real disgust for me when I know what happened days of future past, what's happening in that timeline, when I want to know what's happening in this timeline, like it makes a lot more sense for them to say, hey, let's gather what's left and let's leave. These, these sentinels are killing us. They're destroying us. And if we stay here and fight, even if we're able to beat them, the world will be lost. It'll be, you know, natural resources are gutted. You know, it's, it's just not, ideal situation, the likelihood of, of having a world to live on after they've finished fighting the Sentinels is slim to nil. So it's, it's easier and understandable. They have a way to leave that's reasonable and makes sense, so why not take that option? 
there's better chance of survival doing that. And that makes sense to me. And so I'm very much more, I'm more inclined to agree with Sam here. But I have been agreeing with Sam and Danny in their takes on situations from the beginning. Rarely do I find myself going, oh boy, Roberto, he's the the voice of reason. And uh, I definitely don't find myself agreeing with him here just like I haven't throughout uh, the series. So... Um, but yeah, it is hard to find uh, myself pulled into this too tightly and, and really finding any super concern for these characters uh, because I know it's a one-off. Um, uh, because I know that we're not going to be spending time here for very long, so there's not going to be any need to be too, too tightly tied to these characters. Uh, it's an interesting story, though, still. Still decent and worth reading. Uh, because it also gets us eventually to the Magus, uh, conclusion of the Magus um, series, uh, story arc. So the team is going to attack uh, the Sentinels' headquarters, which is pretty much all of Manhattan Island. That's where their base is at. No real, there's really no living things there at all. And uh, we have this neat uh, panel where we, we see uh, the sign for Marvel's um, offices laying in the rubble. So uh, that too has been destroyed by this onslaught of Sentinels. Um, we get some other neat little things like this little sign that says watch, probably, you know, old things that are back about watching, watching out for mutants, you know. Only you, you know, like the idea of a neighborhood watch. You, you If you see something weird or odd or out of place, let us know. Uh, let Big Brother know, and we'll we'll take care of the problem, right? So you can't trust anyone. Um, so these neat little little things speckle the landscape here in Manhattan. Amara, she, uh, she and the rest of the team attack the city. There's a diversion. Amara uses her abilities, uh, mag as magma to create an earthquake that that was it, it, hope they hope will draw the attention of the Sentinels. Um, Danny and Wolfsbane are going to try to use uh, to to sneak into the Sentinel base to rescue uh, Lila Cheney while the other mutants create the diversion. And uh, Kamara, Danny gives Kamara um, her a. a, a energy rifle and has her get on top of bright one so she's going to cover sam and roberto on the ground now we have this neat little moment where bobby's pretty much uh riding on the back of sam who's blasting and um bobby notices that sam has learned how to suppress his blast the roar of his rocket sound his rocket blast right even though he's flying as fast as he can, Bobby can hardly hear him. So we get a lot of things here. We get one that Sam does make a ton of noise when he's blasting, and, and it's apparently something that's constant. is isn't that he is silent and then uh, breaks the sound barrier, but instead that it is a constant roar when he is blasting. Um, so that has been established here um, in this issue fully. It's, it's written out on page. Um, so there's really no stealth Sam at this point because he, the young Sam can't, 
can't do that yet. In the future, Sam is going to begin to be able to manipulate his blast force, and and sup- that'll allow him to eventually suppress that sound, and will allow him to do some different things also with his blast for uh, field. Um, they're attacked by sentinels, um, and the sentinels painted up like Captain America. Um, and we find out some other things that are kind of interesting about these sentinels. When they've been discapacitated, discapacitated, their limbs continue to function. So even if you destroy the head and the body, the arms and the legs will continue to go after the targets. Um, as Bobby finds out after he takes, uh, Push, knocks a building down on top of the sentinels. The hand and the feet continue to attack. Um, but working together, Sam, Bobby, and Kamara all take out the remaining limbs. Um, they're, they're able to destroy them, um, working, working as a team. Elsewhere, uh, Danny and Wolfsbane slip into uh, the sentinels headquarters facility. And we find they're going to be using their uh, psychic rapport to communicate. So they're not going to be speaking because they don't want to draw attention to themselves. We also find out that Danny has a, a, a cloak inside her, 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 her uniform, if that's what you want to call it. And that's going to hide them from their sensors, the, sensor, the sentinel sensors. And so they... they have found Lila. They see her. She's kind of bound in this energy portal thing, and there's two sentinels guarding her. Um, and they decide it's they, they're going to attack. So Danny shoots one of the sentinels, and r- she sends Rain to go after Lila. She's faster. She's quicker, and that way uh, she should be able to reach Lila before the sentinels are able to grab either grab her. Um, and so Rain goes running, and she notices one of the sentinels. She, you know, she dodges one, um, and as she's running towards Lila, she notices the other sentinel is just standing there, not even reacting to her. She thinks that's really weird, and so she she makes a decision, and she tells Danny to shoot Lila. And Danny's shocked by this. Well, she herself, Wolfbane, throws herself past the image of Lila and knocks herself and this giant sentinel to the ground. And Danny finally, you know, rain pleads with her telling her, please trust me like you used to in old time, you know, back in the happier times. And, and Danny does. And, and what she discovers is that this, this image of Lila is not Lila. It's a sentinel. And it was using its cloak to make itself look like Lila. It was the trap. And had they gone to rescue Lila, they would have been captured. So Rain, she rips this, the head off of this other sentinel and inside the, 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 the body of the, the sentinel, that's where Lila is. She was being held there. So they, they get her out and, and she's shocked, obviously, to see Rain. Rain's supposed to, uh, Rain Wolfsbane's supposed to be dead. And um, just before they're blasted by, um, I should actually read this before I continue. You know, like I said, Lila's shocked to see Rain, and, and she expresses that, and Rain's response is wonderful. You shouldn't, you shouldn't be surprised, Layla, where professors Xavier students are concerned, anything's possible. And isn't that the truth? Um, between t- time travel, sp- 
space travel, you know, people coming back from the dead. I mean, <laughs> it pretty much is, uh, all bets are off. Anything's possible uh, when it comes to X-Men characters. And so they all teleport away, uh, thanks to Lila, to safety before the Sentinels, who are trying to obviously blast them, are able to do so. So Rain and Danny have successfully rescued Lila Cheney. So with Danny, Lila, and Rain safe and regrouped with the rest of the team members, uh, we find out what the plan is next. And Rain tells her friends what she discovered during the fight with the Sentinels when Danny couldn't block her thoughts because she was so focused on the fighting properly block her thoughts from rain and she tells them that hey they're going to go with lila and they're going to the dyson fear they're going to abandon us here and uh that was their plan all along and of course the new mutants are outraged by this they're shocked they're horrified and uh very upset you know and you know they're just they don't trust that, you know. They realize that that Danny and Sam have changed. They've changed a lot um, due to the circumstances and their age. They're, they're no longer the teammates they remembered them as. And Sam tells them, hey, you know, you don't really understand. We have to leave you here because if we don't, Ileana will never find them. Um, and, you know, he, he tries to explain that, like, if they change the past, if they change this now, it'll change the future. And, and who, you know, that could have long ranging consequences that, that they don't, you know, who knows what'll happen. And if they change the past, it could change the present. Um, and it might not be in a good way. Uh, so rain, she points out, Hey, the past has already been changed. Uh, you said you were with us. You knew that this happened, that you came to, you rescued the new mutants. You knew that you did that because you were there. Well, obviously, the younger Sam wasn't. Um, and so if that's different, then that could have changed everything. And what if, you know, and then they also point out, what if Ileana doesn't show up and Danny's done? She's had enough. She's actually angry and probably some, appears to be angry and scared. She tells them that, them leaving Earth, that that Sam and Lila and all the and and Danny and and the rest of them leaving Earth is not salvation, because that's all that's really doing is buying time. She figures that the new mutants are that the Sentinels they've been programmed to hunt down and kill the mutants to wipe them out, and they won't stop. They won't stop. Their programming won't stop even if the new mutants leave Earth or even if they leave Earth. Um, They'll keep coming after them. It might take, you know, it, it could take forever, but eventually they will catch up to them. And you know, she just doesn't think there's any way to stop these sentinels. You know, she talks about if if even if they were to supernova the sun, which then destroyed the earth, she still thinks the sentinels would come. You know, and, and she tells them that 
this present, that, that Danny and Sam's presence, it's finished. The future is, is no better. The only hope for them lies in the past, that these, that these four new mutants go back and make some change that prevents this dark future from happening. And that can only be done if they stay and wait for Eliana. And here, you know, there's this panel, um, again, like I've talked about continuously, well, a couple times now. Um, the, the faces just don't seem very expressive. Like, the shading around Danny's eyes in this image, and, and just overall, I just don't read... It, to me, it looks like fear, and maybe there's fear. Maybe there's a sense of hopelessness there. You know, I'm getting that through the language, though, not through the image that's presented to me on the page. Um, and so there's some areas in this issue where I just, there's something off. And whether that's the pencils were always a problem, or whether that's the inker combined with the pencils, or if it's just that we've changed inkers, if, you know, if we had Jackson Geis um, and Kyle Baker back on this issue... Uh, you know, together on this issue, we might see something different here. Um, it's hard to really know. But anyways, let's, you know, move on. Uh, but this this is one of the big spaces where I really noticed that issue with the art. Now, the the Lila Cheney, the adult versions of Sam and Danny, they, they teleport away to, to, to uh, the Dyson Sphere. And the New Mutants... Um, are talking amongst themselves. And for Roberto, he's super excited to go back. He is not going to run anymore, he tells them. He's not going to run. He'll, he's done running. No matter how sensible it might be, he's not going to run. He's sick um, of always fleeing from problems. Um, and, and he's willing to risk everything and even perish in a noble cause. Of course, that's what Roberto's thinking, right? This dramatic young man that it's always over the top. You know, as for karma, she's super worried. She's seen death. She's seen destruction. She's seen war. She's seen it all. And she'd hoped America would be better. And she's, she's worried about her brother and sister. She hopes they're okay. And, you know, rain comforts her. Amara, she goes off, and they're getting ready to leave. And they say, let's go. They, they, they beckon Amara to come with, and she has something that she wants to do first. And she turns into her magma form, the living lava form that she she's able to, to transform into. And using her mutant abilities, she creates a massive volcano. It r rips up from the ground on Manhattan, and it's it's bigger than anything she's ever created before. And and their her friends, the new mutants, are are shocked. Um, they didn't know she could do that, and she really didn't either. She wanted to test the upper limits of her power, see what she could actually do. And. The, you know, this is pretty impressive. This is, like I said, this is a massive volcano that she creates. Um, and she figures she's going to be sore and achy tomorrow, but it was worth it. And that's where this issue ends. Uh, we don't have the, the team rescued. We, we've got them still stranded in this future, uh, alternate future. Um, definitely not uh, 616 timeline probably uh, but it's also not the days of future past timeline so this is a separate timeline 
uh, very close, very similar though to that days of future past. So uh, we do get the sense that it's, it's closely related to that. Um, very similar story. But from this one, what we do know is that the, the, the Sentinels have yet to uh, take over um, take over the world. I believe in Days of Future Past, that's for the most part uh, either in the works or been accomplished. Uh, we, we know that the new mutants that were alive, or the X-Men that were alive in that day of future past timeline, those they have already been terminated in this timeline. So it's it's likely that it's not the same. We we don't see a Rachel Summer, we don't see Storm, we don't see a Wolverine, we don't see anything about Kitty Pride or Colossus. So likely it's different timelines. Um Yeah, so uh that's that's where this one ends. Um the next issue we're gonna pick up with the other half of the new mutants and where they're at. They're in another alternate timeline or an alternate future um they've been deposited elsewhere and they're going to have their own experiences and issues that they're going to have to overcome um so yeah that's that's where we're at um so this issue pretty pretty good decent issue uh but uh there are some issues places where it's it deal to to a certain degree the story's good and i enjoyed it it's a good story i like it a lot um, I, well enough that I don't mind reading it, certainly. Um, but it does feel to a certain degree that it's treading water a little bit. Um, and like I said earlier, it, it doesn't... doesn't. Con- I don't have that emotional ca- connection to this future timeline that I might have had with Days of Future Past or the perils of that. Um, this definitely feels as though there's time to correct this. That's kind of what you're left with, or at least I feel like I've been left with after reading this issue. Um, so yeah, that's that's uh, this issue, and like I said, we will be diving into issue 49 next week. James Explores the New Mutants is, as always, recorded in Des Moines, Iowa, and is produced by myself using the Anchor app. New episodes are published every Wednesday and can be found wherever podcasts are available. You can reach the podcast on Twitter at Explore New Mutant via email at explorethenewmutants at gmail.com. Visual companions to the episodes are available on Facebook and Instagram by searching James Explores the New Mutants. Another great way to reach the podcast is via the Anchor Messenger service. This allows you, the listeners, to record minute-long messages that are sent directly to me. I can then place those messages directly into the episode. It's just a really awesome way for you to ask questions, you know, add to content in the episodes. So I highly encourage it. If, if you ever want to give it a shot, please do, and I'll, and I'll get you added into the episodes. It's a pretty, pretty fun way for me to engage with you, the listeners. So next week, we'll be diving into issue number 49, Ashes of the Soul. Until then, keep reading those comics.